fumbled mentally all over the field, just vomited his brains out. What's is there? Is this man eating potato chips and has a comb over? Let him pass. We don't care about anything he's doing. This is completely unacceptable. Who am I? I, I am a I am a grown person who wants to be respected. Lester Cajones is how I as I'm gonna say. State of Florida, thank you for being you. You give me mm. an unending entertainment stream into my on my eyes and ears constantly. I just thank you for being you, Florida. It's not often we can really celebrate the state of Florida. No. Is it? It's not. But this but for this one thing, uh, we we can always celebrate that. You can always count on some great entertainment. Welcome to Talking Dogs. I'm Clint. And I'm Daniel. And we're two guys who love UGA sports. One of us is from the South. And one of us is from the West Coast. One of us is a lifelong Georgia fan. One is a more recent convert. But we both share a borderline obsessive, often ridiculous desire to see UGA succeed just like you do. This podcast is a place to talk about the dogs the way you would at a tailgate, in your backyard, or over a drink with your friends. Are we insiders? Nah. Do we have lofty recruiting connections? Nope. We are just two guys who love talking about the dogs. So let's talk. Hello and welcome to episode 56 of the Talking Dogs podcast. I am Daniel. And I'm Clint. And Clint, we're back. Hey, here we are. I almost forgot how to uh almost forgot how to start the show. It feels you, like it's been feels like did. it's been too long. Just feels you like did and and as you were doing it, muscle memory of of your yeah. brain just kicked in. You're like, "Oh yeah, here's here's what we do." It all kicked in. It has been has been too long. Um, I was traveling for work last week and let's just be honest. It's the off season. It's the the doldrums right now. Spring practice has not yet started. The basketball team is historically bad, but we've said it before. We're here for you, dog fans. We we know. We ain't leaving you. We're going to endure this together. We're not going anywhere. Okay. It'll be, it'll be football season again before you know it. Next year's basketball team going to be much better than this year's basketball team. Uh, so with that being said, we have got a pretty full show lined up. We do today. So I don't want to, I don't want to just, I don't want to dance around here at the, at the beginning. I want to jump right into it. We're going to talk about another position. We're going to give you our Mount Rushmore's. This time it is the offensive line. Hello. Mount Rushmore, which is not one position, Clint. I don't need to remind you. It's five. It's a five spot of positions. We're going to be giving you our top four offensive linemen in the history of UGR, Mount Rushmore. Four names. That's not even a full unit, Clint. No. You can't even field a roster no. with that. And yet, here we are. Uh, going to jump into that. We are going to talk to you at the end of the show about the worst thing about another SEC fan base. Uh, but before that, Clint, mm-hmm. I believe there's a few items that need to be discussed. There are a few items. Uh, news has happened since we have been on here last. It's been a it's been a decade or so. <laughs> so it's not. It's been a hot minute, not... and the world keeps turning, even if we're not recording. Daniel, uh, Daniel, the first agree thing... to disagree. <laughs> that's that's true. Unless I am part of it, it doesn't happen. Nah, it ain't happening. Uh, hey, Daniel, uh, I don't know if you saw this headline feed run across. Uh, either the, the Tweet Machine or Bleacher Report. Uh, but Daniel, an ex-Georgia player, got himself in some trouble by coming back and visiting campus uh, the other week. Did he really? Yes, he did. Now, uh, I had sworn off 
ever. I don't know if you if you recall. I had sworn off ever saying this gentleman's name again in my life. I did, but but you're going to jump all over this opportunity. I to say to say his name. Are I you? couldn't help myself but to jump in. You're. You're a cruel man. I'm a Clint. cruel man. You would just uh, just kick a man while he is down. No, no. You I, don't. You don't even care. I I don't care. I don't care because because every cliche football statement in the world was broken by Malcolm Parrish when he fumbled mentally all over the field, just vomited his brains out. Deep as the deepest, Clint. Was he deep as the deepest? I can't. I, I, I forget. Not, not if, if the ball gets thrown before where you are at presently, and if where you are at presently mm-hmm. is behind that person, mm-hmm. can 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 anything bad really happen in that scenario? Hmm. Not not a great deal. Unless again no. you just vomit your brains out, which is what Malcolm Parrish did against Alabama two years ago. Uh in in the biggest game to that point we had. Uh, but Malcolm Parrish came back on campus and was uh, lacing up the old sneakers to get on the hard court, play some basketball, Daniel. And he left a gym bag yep. off to the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in said gym bag, there happened to be, uh, again, by the way, uh, we've talked about this before. UGA campus police just, mm. just running around poking at duffel bags all day long in Athens. <laughs> they got nothing better to do than write parking tickets and snoop around in it I'm sorry, is there an athletically built looking gentleman over here? Let's look around in his duffel bag. That's what. What what what's wrong? Does is there a is this man eating potato chips and has a comb over? Let him pass. We don't care about anything he's doing. Not interested. But does this person look like he could be an athlete of some sort? Let's investigate further. Let's investigate. Let's investigate this further. Let's investigate. Yeah. Uh, so UGA campus police, I mean, keeping America safe uh, oh. all the while. Just <laughs> I salute you. One parking ticket at a time. <laughs> One parking ticket. So apparently gym bag on the floor of a basketball court is probable cause these days. <laughs> that is absolute. That is absolute. Probable cause. Daniel, I have watched enough procedural law shows to let me know that that is, in fact, not <laughs> the case. Okay? No. You ain't been to Clark County in a while. I have, uh, I have not. You don't think that's the case. That's true. Uh, but Malcolm Parrish had himself a uh, unregistered firearm on campus. Well, uh, thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers for the Malcolm Parrish. Teas and peace. But this is what I want to go up against. Not only do campus police... You guys have missed the boat. Instead of removing Malcolm Parrish's undisclosed firearm from him, you should have checked with him when he came on campus, and you should have asked the question, "Bro, like, like, you okay, buddy? Like, do you do you need me to go with you? Because you got some cojones coming back on campus and playing some pickup b-ball." There's no wonder he's carrying a side piece with him, Daniel. He needs that. Shame on you, Campus Patrol, for taking Malcolm Parrish's only defensible item. Because we know this. That's probably, that's a great point, Clint. He he ain't got no brains. We know this. So he ain't talking himself out of no nothing. He just going to sit there. Okay. We know he's got no athletic ability because uh, high 
concrete feet. Let me just stand here on the sideline. Um, so really, this is a story about how you just can't. I can't. I can't help it. Just the bitterness. The bitterness that is coming. Is just be. I thought we cathartically <laughs> processed this game. Is that not? This was fifty-five episodes ago, but we we may need to go back. We may let's rewind the tape. Uh, look, it was my let's own fault. I didn't say his name. I didn't cathartically dump everything. There was still a little bit of toxicity True. that was in there. I'm getting it out. Any now. good counsel will say you got it. You got to be willing to go there. Well, sure there's going to be healing. Claire. I I have now. So Malcolm Parrish, I'm sorry. You're now without your defensible position. Uh, with a side piece that the UGA uh, patrol has removed you from. So, uh, T's and P's out to you. Keep safe, brother. Don't don't go back on campus. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, second bit of news, Daniel. Uh, this just in. I uh, I don't know if you know. You, you sometimes go down to the Y, Daniel. Maybe pick up uh, a basketball. Uh, hit up, I had up the Y on occasion, yeah. for sure. Well, I was down at the Y uh, last week, and uh, we were keeping... we were, got a pretty competitive game of pickup basketball going uh and it turns out we were keeping score and our halftime score daniel was mm, okay. uh okay was 25 30 and i had thought to myself this is this is lackluster this is poor yeah this is mm-hmm. you know what this is this is unacceptable uh, and then you know what happened for to me, a, Daniel? for any self-respecting basketball team to only score twenty-five to thirty points in one half of basketball. In one half, this is completely unacceptable. Who am I? I, I am a I am a grown person who wants to be respected. And then Daniel, mm-hmm. I I checked a feed of another mm-hmm. basketball mm-hmm. team's halftime score, and mm-hmm. what was it? What did it say? I I was looking. I was feeling real good about my effort, Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel, how's how's the yeah. basketball team going? We record this on a Wednesday afternoon. There's no way it'll be out um, before the game no. happens. Georgia plays what will either be its last game of the season or its next to last game of the season tonight uh, in the SEC tournament. I'll be there in uh, Nashville cheering on the dogs. Um, but this team's real bad. It's real Clint. bad. They went out and they beat Florida, and that felt really good. Mm-hmm. Did that feel good? That felt really it good. Felt so good. You get a win on the road in Gainesville, and that that just feels good. That's a good time. That's a real great time. Okay, uh, this team's bad. It's it's just it's really bad, and the Missouri game was just about as bad of a performance as I've seen from a basketball team. I hadn't watched your team play, Clint, but I think you could have been competitive Daniel, against that team the Missouri, that came out against Missouri. We are very unathletic. I will state this for a fact. That's, and yet, I I still feel okay. Yeah, it uh, is bad. It's bad. Um... But but I have a little. There's a little optimism, though, in spite of all that. Clint. Okay, tell me more, Daniel, because this was a bad year for me, or as you said, maybe the best year for me to jump headfirst into hoops fandom. Right. If you're if you're jumping on the Tom Cream bandwagon, if you're late late to the party, if you're just now getting into UJ basketball, I maintain this was the best year to be a UJ basketball fan. Because here's the thing: you survived it. You did it. This team was. This team was. Atrocious. Two conference wins. Oh. Right? It's not gonna get it's not gonna get much worse oh. than that, Georgia fans. 
This is this is bad a team as we've had since Dennis Felton was stomping the sidelines in Athens, and those were some real bad teams. Uh, but help is on the way. Okay. Clint. Well documented, Anthony Edwards Hey-o. committed to the G. Okay. Uh, here's the thing about elite players, Clint. What happens when they go to a school? What 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 generally tends to happen? Do people want to be matched to be paired up with elite players? If you if I said to you, Clint, your little pickup basketball team that you got there, I got my you know my homeboy, who's six seven. Mm. Played wide receiver mm. for a D one college football team. He's interested in joining your basketball team. Do you, do you want to play with great players, or do you not want to play with great players in sports? Uh, I think if if he would to come, and not only would he come, but then all of a sudden I got another friend who's maybe I've been working on for a while, and he says, "Clint, mm-hmm. I've seen you guys play. You're not very good." And I say, "Come, just watch this one more game." And all of mm-hmm. a sudden he goes, I, "Oh, oh, oh, oh you got a ringer." Oh. You, you got a ringer coming in. Oh well, I'm more interested. Yeah. In that. Now listen, there's already two very talented players, Tumani Kamara and Jaquan Walton, who are already committed to Georgia, uh, already signed, already on their way to the Classic City. Um, top 100 players, uh, in Jaquan Walton's case, top 70 player, very high level four star player. But there are some other guys, and specifically a guy I'm looking at is a guy that was a guy by the name of Christian Brown that has been it was he was talked about a long time ago, back when Mark Fox was here, as a as a pretty strong Georgia lean. And then since has kind of gone other gone in other directions. Right now, Oklahoma State has up until late appeared to be the front runner for this guy. A lot of buzz around Christian Brown. And his recent trips to Athens, uh, in terms of a decision possibly being sooner rather than later, this would be the fourth player that we signed that is either six five that's between six four and six six, the fourth wing player that we've signed, who is athletic, who can shoot. Uh, and who is just a general go-get-you-buckets type of guy. Okay? Not to mention Lester Quinones, or Quinones. I don't know how you pronounce this guy's name. Alex. Lester Cajones is how, I, is how I'm going to say <laughs> Uh Long-time LSU lean. Let me just ask you real quick, Clint. Mm. Anything happening down at LSU that me, we need to talk about? Let me. Think. We were we were discussing news. Yeah. Has there been any news out of LSU? Uh, you know what? I I I didn't go on to the sports section. It wasn't on ESPN. It was on actually CNN that I saw LSU pop up uh, mm. because mm-hmm. the FBI was involved. Yes. No. Oh. The federal government is involved. Ah. Listen, I'm not here to talk politics. Or I'm, and I'm not really, I don't really care about your opinion about what's happening at our southern border. But let me just tell you, the state, there's a state of emergency in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Yeah, That's the southern border that has a state of emergency yeah. going on right now. Okay, because um, we got unmarked vans, we got wiretaps, and we got high-level people like the head coach of the basketball team. Who are talking about paying people who are currently on the basketball team? So, yep. 
listen, you don't have to read tarot cards to know how this is going to work out for LSU. Look, so let me just ask you, Clint, is this young man, you know nothing about him. No, none, zero. Zero. You don't even know what state he's from. I, nope. Is he going to LSU, Clint? No. Nope. He ain't going there. So, listen, I'm not saying he's coming to Georgia, but Georgia is a school reportedly in the mix for him, and he ain't going to LSU. No. No. He's so. Not. By the uh, way, may I suggest really quick, all LSU uh, administrators listening to this podcast, uh, Urban Meyer has a book for you that you really need to read mm, about, about integrity and leadership. Pick it up. In fact, maybe consider hiring Urban Meyer. He is without a job right now. And we all know how much he wants to get back into coaching based on his history we of all... being unemployed. <laughs> Listen to me. LSU, make the call. Reach out. Do the right thing. Hire Urban Meyer and solidify yourself as the absolute bottom of the barrel in the just, conference. You know who That's... you are. Just own your identity. Yeah. Just lean into it. Mm-hmm. Lean into it. That's a that's a surefire way to shoot up our grossest fan bases in the SEC oh, list right there. Oh. You hire Urban Meyer, you are skyrocketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I am very optimistic. I think this is going to the, the excitement building around UJ basketball has not been turned down by this, an absolutely atrocious season. And I think within the next month, there's going to be more exciting news linked to UJ basketball, uh, because yeah, because there's some of these players that are on this team that are not coming back Mm. and it ain't because they're graduating. They're no. going. To, there's going to be some transfers, and that means there's going to be plenty of scholarships to go around. So anybody who wants to come to Georgia, there's going to be room for them on this team. Uh, Daniel, I, er, t- Tom Crean apologized for his statement. I, I get that, but mm. make no mistake, Tom Crean is not lying when he made his statement. He he apologized publicly, no. which is what he needed to do. But that it was not the right thing. It was yep. the right statement. As well, both both are true. A and B are true yes. in this case. You can tell the truth, and should have not said it Correct. at the same time. Yes. And that's exactly what happened to Tom Green. Tom Green he should have kept his mouth shut, but instead he told the truth, <laughs> and he will follow through with that. Uh, last bit of news, Daniel. Uh, gosh, I I want to thank State of Florida. Thank you for being you. You give me mm. an unending entertainment stream into my on my eyes and ears constantly i just thank you for being you florida it's not often we can really celebrate the state of florida no is it it's not but this but for this one thing uh we we can always celebrate that you can always count on some great entertainment coming out of the news feed in florida all the time with florida so uh this week uh, dan mullen was giving an interview in which he appeared, not appeared, he took a, a big swipe at Kirby Smart for the Justin Fields fiasco, as some have called it, uh, where Dan Mullen says, let me get the quote here, uh, he says, you're doing something wrong if, if you quote, kids are coming in and immediately walking out the door, unquote. Uh, so Dan Mullen is saying, hey, I would be a little nervous and I wouldn't think it was too healthy if I'm promising kids one thing and then they get on campus and it's not actual reality and then they're walking out the door. That's a bad sign of your program, says Dan. Hmm. Dan Mullen says this. Daniel? Hmm. He does, huh? 
He does. What say you of, of Dan Mullen's interesting quote? Well, because um, ha- have you heard of a let little, me, have you heard of a guy, uh, a running back, uh, Lemons? Was was he a name that was that was somewhere in your radar? Dan? You know, he was never a name that mattered to me, but he is a name that I'm familiar with. Yeah, because because that was a kid who came in and he didn't even wait till the season was over. Daniel, he quit. Mm-hmm. No, I think I think it was halftime of the Kentucky mm-hmm. game he was against. He quit and walked out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it was almost as if, um, uh, it was almost as if he were playing for Tennessee, and the coach asked him to go in the game, and he said, "Nah, I'll pass." Yeah, yeah. That's at, at least Tennessee didn't have anyone quit the team in the middle of a game. Only <laughs> they had players refuse to participate in the game. Florida yep. and Tennessee really slugging it out in terms of, um. Listen, Dan Mullen wants to talk about obvious red flags in recruiting. Yeah. Could I bring up an obvious red flag? In I, recruiting I was hoping flag? you would, Daniel. <laughs> uh, let me bring up an obvious red flag. Um, 2000, uh, 2019. If you signed eight three-star players. Eight. And zero five-star players. That's a red flag. Okay. 2018. Yeah. If you sign seven three-star players. Oh. And zero five-star players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a red flag. Mm. Okay. 2017. If you signed 11 three-star players. <laughs> and zero five-star players. That's a red flag. It hit double digits. 2016. Okay. And I know this is not even Dan Mullen. Now we're, we're well back into Jim yeah. McElwain now. But let's just say these are the players on his team yeah. currently. 2016. If you signed 16 three-star players. Oh. I'm, well, let me just read the full line. If you signed 16 three-star players, nine four-star players, and zero five-star players okay um clint that's a red flag okay to me if now uh, i'm I now know there have been people that have transferred sure but let me just let me just do some rudimentary math real quick real quick mm-hmm. if i may that's 46 three-star players mm. in four years it might actually be 43. It's over 43 star players in four years. Clint. Yeah. Uh, that's a red. That's a red flag. Yeah. In the last two years where Dan Mullen's been there, it was 15 three star players in two years. You know, um, do you know how many Kirby Smarts signed in those same two years? Oh my gosh. How many three star players? It's seven. It's seven. <laughs> and those, by the way, those three stars are like our current tight end recruit who's been playing football for two years, and they actually think he's going to get a fourth star, or he could, you know, pop up to even better. That that's the kind of three stars we have. Alabama's going after those guys, not Florida. Yeah, they're on the scout team, Clint. Yeah, they're on the. You got to They're not starting the games. 
Their, in many cases. Their name is not Felipe Franks. Mm, who's the second best quarterback in the SEC objectively, though? If you want to think about it in terms of objective truth, Felipe Franks is probably the second best quarterback in the SEC. I mean, if I just went on, At least, on pure numbers. Well, not really. But if you just went on pure eye test, <laughs> yeah, valid argument that they, Felipe Franks is the second best. Uh, you know what Dan um, Mullins is? Dan Mullins is the is the guy whose friend is dating the girl that he loves. And he uh-huh. can't get the girl. Because no. he is uglier than sin, uh, he mm-hmm. has no personality, he can't That's dance, correct. and no, and he doesn't has have no a friends. half a brain cell. Just don't no no him and Malcolm Parrish are fighting. <laughs> no, huh? no job, no paycheck, ain't got no food. Mm-mm. His pet's heads are falling off. <laughs> like he can't. <laughs> he got nothing going for him, and uh, and and he and he senses. A little unease in the relationship, or maybe it doesn't even sense at all. But he comes. Oh, yeah. He comes to the to his his friend, the the female in this relationship. He says, "Hey, hey, I, I, I know, I know. He he's that car that he has, or that job that he has. I he's he's a little mean at times, isn't he? Doesn't it's really weighing him down all that success that all he's that having. success. It's it's really. I think you need somebody that has a little bit more free time." on their hands to really dedicate to you the care that you deserve he can't get out of the friend zone but just not really interested at the end of the day i mean sure you're gonna you're gonna give me a trip down to florida sure I, i'll come i'll come see the campus i'll go down there with the family yeah sure i mean who wouldn't want to hang out with dan mullen let's be honest <laughs> D- dan dan gonna promise me the world and for 48 hours i'm gonna feel like the biggest macho dude in the world you know what that's right I, every so often i'll take that ego boost yeah why not yeah uh oh daniel thanks dan for keeping the off season interesting gosh you are such you are a, you are a national treasure and we don't give you enough credit dan for who you are you, you really are you should be president of florida if there is somebody who embodies oh florida the most it is you sir Dan Mullen's well on his way to being on the Mount Rushmore of Florida. Oh, yeah. Smooth <laughs> transition. Let's get into our Mount Rushmore, Clint. Give the people what they want. I'm going to let you tee us off first. Right. Who you got in your first spot on the UGA offensive line, Mount Rushmore? UGA, Mount Rushmore of offensive line. Begins first with a man uh, that needs no introduction, and that is David Andrews, Daniel. Starting off... First face I thought of, first mug, ugly mug I thought of, was David Andrews to be on this Mount Rushmore. And I'll tell you why, Daniel. He was the first. Tell me. Tell me why. Uh, Part of, like you had said earlier, is it is not only on-field production, it is the embodiment of what a Georgia player is. Uh, David Andrews in college, uh, not highly touted. Daniel, not a lot of guys coming out of his graduating years, his final year at UGA, not a lot of people thought, oh yeah, let's project him as a second, as a third, as a fourth, oh wait, not as a fifth, not as a sixth, not as a seventh round draft choice. David Andrews was just a guy that showed up, got things done, and just bullied people into the ground. Uh, and although not all NFL production is not everything, uh, the 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 Patriots, Daniel, they doing any good in the NFL these days? Huh. They a good, they're a good team. I, I've, I've vaguely heard of them as some yeah. as a team that people are talking about. Right. 
so they're they're the best team in the NFL for the last uh, eighty five years, apparently, uh, yeah, longer than the least. league's been around. That's great. Um, so if you were a captain on the best team hmm. in decades, what does that say about you and your character? Does that point well, to something good? I just it's not like the Patriots have a well respected coach that makes those decisions about who's a captain and who's not a captain. It's not like right. it's not like that loser knows anything about football nah. or leadership. Or, or or trusting a man to protect and make calls of the greatest quarterback ever. David Andrews is responsible for making sure Tom Brady doesn't break another leg. Uh, and his name captain. Coming out of UGA, he was a bully on the trenches. We loved watching him play. I loved watching him play on the offensive line. And he was the embodiment of professionalism, nastiness, and tenacity. David Andrews is the first on my Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And I wanted to, you know, you get deep into the numbers. Here's the thing. Nobody outside of the SEC, really outside of Georgia, nobody knew anything about David Andrews when he was in college. No, nobody. And so you get into the numbers, you see some of these other offensive linemen, and you want to you wanna immediately sort of tout their accolades. David Andrews didn't even get a sniff at an All-American team. Nope. Okay, We're talking about not even a look at a first-team All-SEC. Yeah, maybe he got a couple of votes from a couple of coaches that liked him, but no, he didn't. Didn't get on the list. All he did was come to work every day and anchor an offensive line for UGA and like you said absolutely bully people in the trenches uh if you were a Georgia fan you just loved David Andrews because there's never been a guy whose nickname more adequately fit mm. his personality than David Andrews the dude's just a boss you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying that's why he was the captain of the Patriots from the moment they they brought him into camp to do a workout you know what I'm saying? Because the the man doesn't know any other way. Nope. He just, I I believe on his chest instead of the letter C, he's petitioned the NFL to put the letter B on there because he doesn't feel comfortable <laughs> being called captain. He, the dude's just a boss, and he's a boss pre-snap. He's making checks. He's making calls. He's pointing people out. He's making all the looks. Yep. Uh, and he's a boss post-snap too. David Andrews just takes some defensive tackles and starts to bully him around a little bit, drive him 10 yards downfield. And then the whistle blows, and David Andrews pretends he doesn't hear it. He's not interested. No. He's not interested. Somebody's going to have to pull him off the pile because he's got a little extra in the tank. And that's what you need as an offensive lineman. That's what you need if you're going to be on the Mount Mount Rushmore of UGA offensive line. Which is why David Andrews was the first name that came to my list. And the second name that came to my list, Clint, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was a lot like it. It was a lot like it. I said to myself, Self, you can't put two centers on your offensive line, Mount Rushmore. Yeah, you, you can't do that, right, Daniel? You got to get some tackles in there. Everybody knows the left tackle. That's the, right. that's the money position. That's the yeah. position where you go to make hay. But then I started thinking about UJ offensive linemen. And I just couldn't get away from the fact that you can't have a, a Mount Rushmore of UGA offensive line if you don't put Ben Jones on it. 
and I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. You might say to me, Daniel, you're just that's just the last two centers. You're just this is just a recency bias situation. You're just naming the last two centers that have played for the University of Georgia before this current cycle of players. Right. Uh, but I'm also naming the best two centers that have ever played at the University of Georgia. Does recency and bias matter when they are definitively the best two centers to have they're played? Just, they're just better. That's it. They're just better than the other ones. Ben Jones, four-year starter, mm. was an, was an All-American at Georgia. Multi-year All-SEC selection. Ben Jones was drafted uh, in the into the NFL and has had a lucrative and successful NFL career at both center and guard for multiple teams. Uh, but more than any of that, Clint, when I think about Ben Jones, I think about one thing. Mm-hmm. I I think about the flats of Georgia Tech, mm. and I think a I think of a giant piece of sod. And if you don't know what I'm talking about when I say Ben Jones and a giant piece of sod, then you need to stop this podcast right now and you need to get on the internet and you need to Google Ben Jones, Georgia Tech, and you need to go to the images and you just need to gaze and wonder at what you Mm. see. Because in a year after Georgia Tech came and beat Georgia in Athens and destroyed the hedges like a bunch of criminal hooligans like they are, uh... But also, ben by jo- the way, but also by the way, if they're gonna have criminality, it's gonna be like destruction of property in the in the fourth degree or something like that. Because they they just they can't commit all the way. When you do something, it's, go- it's gonna be assault it. and battery against a horticulture. Yeah. That's what it's gonna be. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're dealing with. Yeah, when we talk about Georgia Tech. Um, well, Ben Jones didn't take too kindly to that. <laughs> okay, and like I and I as I as previously alluded to. In my mind, the most important characteristic of an offensive lineman is nastiness. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got to have that nasty edge to you. Listen, you can feed a boy and make him bigger. You can I put him in the weight room. You can put him in the weight room and make him stronger. Mm-hmm. You can you can put him in the film room and you can teach him technique. Okay, but you can't teach what David Andrews and Ben Jones have. Okay, and that is just a desire to break the person in front of them. That's what makes an offensive lineman. And so uh, UJ goes down to Georgia Tech, and one of my favorite moments after the game, Ben Jones reaches down with his bare hands and unearths a clump of sod that you could build a par-3 golf course on. You could build a municipal course on this patch of grass. Yeah, And he rips it out of the ground with his bare hands and puts it, and it just there's a picture of him with his arms in the air with this clump of sod hanging out of his mouth like mm-hmm. some sort of wild animal. And listen, when I chisel his his face, which I'm going to do personally, uh, I got David some free the, time. David's I've got, got some, a, yeah, yeah. David I've and got, Ben have have Daniel to thank for their artistic rendering. That's going to be ugly, but yeah, I got some free time this summer, so I'm going to head up to a to a big <laughs> chunk of granite that I've been working on, and I'm going <laughs> to. When I chisel Ben Jones's face onto my UJ offensive line Mount Rushmore, you better damn well know that there's going to be a piece of sod hanging out of his mouth. Okay, because that's who he is. That's the dude that he is. That's why I had Ben Jones as my second name on my list. Uh, Daniel, we are two for two on our Mount Rushmore. Ben Jones, get on up there, you homely-looking beast of a man. I love Ben Jones for everything you just said. Um, the the one definitive thing, tenacity on defensive line, just an animalistic kind of charge. 
But on offense, you got to just get in a phone booth and fight somebody and not care how pretty it looks. Just get as nasty as you want. Not care how big they are. Not care what 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 kind of what kind of situation they're bringing to the table you're just in there ready to go to war every yes. single snap because these two guys David Andrews Ben Jones I I don't know the statistics on David Andrews I think he weighed 250 coming out of college is is what I think he weighed it didn't matter though Could Ben Jones didn't matter it didn't matter to me that the weight the height um they just had a desire to want to pummel you and they showed what that desire is so everything you said I echo Ben Jones, number two on my Mount Rushmore. Well, which... well documented though, Clint. You have a, you kind of have a thing for big nasty offensive lineman named Ben. Is that is that accurate? Look, Would that be fair to say? Look, there is a reason. I had to fight really hard. You talk about recency bias. I, I just <laughs> we're talking about ben... extremely recently. Talk about extremely recent. I just want to put Ben Cleveland up there now. Can I just go ahead and reserve a space for Ben Cleveland because you do know my love and affinity for. Just hulking men who like to pummel other defensive linemen to the ground. I'm going to have to get a bigger rock if we're going to put Ben <laughs> Cleveland up there. That's just yeah. not. That's... Whatever granite you have, I don't know what you unearthed in your backyard, Daniel. Go back and try to find a second because it, it ain't, ain't going to be enough. Yeah, it ain't sufficient. Uh, uh, who do you have at number three on your list, Clint? Let's stick with good old Southern boys who are nasty and who are business lunch pail guys. And this is not only uh, a bias towards those with the great regal name of Clint. Daniel, there's oh, not hello. many of us. There's not many oh, of us hello. in the world. But the regal name of Clint, and that's Clint Bowling. Uh, first is team my all third. Clint NCAA first team Clint. football player. He is first team all Clint. There's Clint one. Bowling. One of one. <laughs> there's, there's no second after that. Uh, Clint Bowling, all SEC 2010 Nasty streak again. I remember watching Clint Bowling when I wasn't a fan of UGA. I was just a fan of college football. This guy's name popped up. I could see him definitively as better than other players from my vantage point. Got drafted. Has had a a spectacular career of just shutting up, going in day in, day out, and embodying a characteristic of offensive line. Uh, he, He was great while at UGA. He has a business-like mentality. He's got the nasty streak. He's gone on to perform at the highest level. Clint Bowling, number three on my Mount Rushmore. Can't argue with the selection of Clint Bowling, Clint, but we are not three for three Ooh, now. Okay. okay. Um, I, I did not go with Clint Bowling, and he was in my, he was in my consideration, but... Um, I'm not gonna lie. He was not even my, my, my honorable mention mm. in mm. in the position. Uh, he did have a great career. Um, he he did make a ton of starts, 49 starts in his career, mm-hmm. um, which was which is crazy um, for an offensive lineman. Uh, he played at three different positions while starting every game his senior year. Um, he's just a guy, like you said, just a plug and play guy. He's just yep. a guy that you said you never worried about where he was. No, uh, on the field. Um, uh, let me let me hit you with a couple of my honorable mentions, Clint. Before no, let's let me get to my get to, uh, your, get to your three and four. Look, I'm gonna give you a two for one special here. You got one okay. left. I, I got, got two left. left. I'm gonna give you my two for one special and my two for one special. 
uh, is the brothers Stinchcomb. Mm. Because, listen, I tried to get creative with this, Georgia fans. I tried to find a scenario where I, where I, where I brought somebody else in to this Mount Rushmore. But then I just looked at the evidence in front of me. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the evidence in front of me said that these two Stinchcomb boys uh, are just are just big old dudes. They are just that dude. Matt Stinchcomb, in my opinion, probably the best offensive lineman to ever play at the University of Georgia. His brother mm-hmm. John uh, was also quite successful. Um, was John was a part of some better teams than Matt mm-hmm. ever was. Uh, Matt was at Georgia in some in some kind of slow days. Some there in the late years in the late nineties, but uh, but John was a part of some some better teams, including the two thousand two uh, team that went thirteen one, one of the better teams that Georgia's ever fielded. Um, both of these guys, just big old offensive tackles. Both of them went on to have NFL careers. But the main thing that you like about the Stinchcombs, they are especially Matt, the most decorated offensive lineman, probably uh, two-time All-American, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. three-time All-SEC, uh, you know, just probably the most decorated offensive lineman. Um, 3.96 GPA, by the way, at the University thank of Georgia you, for Matt Thank you Stitchcomb. for bringing that in. Thank you for bringing that in, Daniel. Just what are, we, what are we doing here with these guys? And that's really it. You look at these two guys and – you want to talk about Mount Rushmore, you're talking about not only great players, but you're talking about people who represent the University of Georgia. Mm-hmm. People who embody what it means to be a dog. Mm-hmm. And these guys are out in the community. They're out on television. They're out in, in broadcasts. And you don't have to worry about them opening their mouth and looking like an idiot. Okay? This is not Jesse Palmer that we're sending out here to the broadcast booth. All right? When Matt Stinchcomb goes into the broadcast booth, he's going to say intelligent football-related things and not simply talk about his hair product that he's Correct. using that week, which is the fundamental difference between the University of Georgia and the University of Florida. But I digress. These two, gentlemen, these two gentlemen represent the University of Georgia well, and that's why there's just no way to have an offensive line Mount Rushmore without both of them on it. And yet, Clint, I can't help but notice you only have one spot remaining. I do. You might be asking yourself, how do you choose? How do you choose between these two, Daniel? How do you delineate? And how do you say Clint Bowling's on this list and you left out a stitch gum? Nay, I say, because my fourth Mount Rushmore, Daniel, is just simply stitch gum. And and just half of the, the bust... Go ahead and, and keep mining your backyard for more granite. The Half delegation the from Nashville protests. You have <laughs> the, you the have delegation. The good is, name of Mount Rushmore. <laughs> I have nay. I have not. I have not sullied the good name. I have. I have exacerbated all creative ways. You you just weren't creative enough, Daniel, to just simply mm. copy and paste or cut and paste two things That's together. That's correct. I played by the rules. <laughs> you. Play- <laughs> I followed the rules of the of the of the game. Look, there was no way I could not have these two guys on there. Uh, and there was no way. I, I mean, if I could just really quick brag some more about the Stitchcomb uh, Brotherhood. Um, every year. Let's call then, it a dynasty. Can we call it a dynasty? I, I'm fine really, calling it a dynasty. truly was. There was a Stitchcomb it, dynasty that came through Athens. There absolutely was. Eight years of Stitchcomb uh, bullying on the offensive line. That is a that is a dynasty. Um, Fantastic. 
the two of them and David Green host a charity event every single year, countdown to kickoff for Georgia football fans. Uh, Stitchcomb uh, and David Green have an insurance agency firm in Atlanta. If you want to tell me that your your GPA reference there, Daniel, if you want to tell me like the go get paid in the NFL and then go waste your money elsewhere, uh, you know what the Stitchcomb brothers are doing? They're using that brain in Atlanta, in Georgia, uh, to continue uh, their good work, uh, charity events. Uh, they right. are just fantastic. John gets to hold over his brother a Pro Bowl and a Super Bowl. Uh, both of them are the circle of honor for Georgia um, into the the Hall of Fame of college. Uh, they're on ESPN. They're doing analysis. And let me tell you, uh, you want an offensive lineman's perspective on this. You don't have to go to just uh, talk about a name I can't repeat. Uh, old, old blue-eyed blonde bro from Utah. What's what's that cat's name on ESPN? Oh, oh yeah. I can't What's, remember that dude's name. Uh, that, Mitch? No. No, that can't be it. That can't be it. This is it, great it's podcasting like, while we try to think of this guy's name. Hergerberger, again. There's some Swedish name to him. But old boy out of BYU who's always on ESPN, and he can't, his hot takes are just the worst. Uh, when these guys get on, when you go to them for, for analysis, they actually know what they're talking about. Uh, so all the accolades, all the honors, the rings, uh, the successful NFL careers, the continuation of philanthropy and presence in Georgia at the university, uh, these two embody exactly what it means to be a UGA offensive lineman. If you just make 11 of these guys, you got yourself a, a really nasty bulldozing offensive line or, or offense put together. Who, who's our boy that we're thinking of? Trevor, Trevor Maddich. Maddich, that's what it is. Trevor, Trevor Maddich. Um, Talk about some cold takes. I, I have Ooh. to disagree. Uh, Eleven Stinchcombs is not going to make a very prolific offense. <laughs> I, I, you I know don't know if I, you understand I, what the goal of the offense is, but <laughs> these these guys not... would just leave the football off to the side and be like, "Can we just can we just yeah bull rush somebody that's and throw them on the ground?" No, we're trying. To do. <laughs> um, Speaking of couple which, a couple honorable mentions. Yeah. Clint. Um, probably the first name that I wanted to go with that, that I couldn't go with was, was old Cordy Glenn. Mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. did love, I really did love me, um, some Cordy Glenn when he was at Georgia. Um, how about Max Gene Gillis? Hello. Too. Just, you want to talk about a large human being. Giant. That's a, that's a dude that came in. That's a Ben Cleveland type dude. That came in, and you just saw him, and you were like, "There's something not, there's didn't, something not accurate about this person." Didn't Max also keep the neck roll in the back uh, of the? I don't know why he did. Maybe that maybe wasn't actually part he of didn't. the uniform. That was part of the neck. Okay, I believe. sorry. That was thank you. That was my clarity I needed yeah. right there. Uh, yeah. For for guys like Max, the neck roll is not. It ain't necessary to the uniform because there's only so far that head can go. Yeah. It is. It is well attached there. <laughs> um, uh, listen, UJ offensive line, it was a struggle to come up but, with four. Hold on, Daniel. What about uh, what about those who would decry us for getting the great name of John Theus, Daniel? What about those who are saying, guys, Stop. guys, you forgot. You for- Stop. You for- 
You're joking, right? There's not those people. Those people don't exist. I am telling you tell right me, now. If you, tell me if those I'm, people don't exist. I'm telling you, if you search online for greatest offensive lineman UGA, John Theus comes up on a couple of lists, and it's it's no. bad. No. It's bad. Listen to me. Listen to me, podcast podcast listeners. If you believe John Theus belongs on the Mount Rushmore of UGA podcast, I, here's my solemn vow to you. I will not oh. even mock you. I will not even make fun of you. I just need you to to hit me hit us up on Twitter at Dogs Podcast and just tell me that you believe John Theus belongs on the Mount Rushmore of UJ offensive linemen. Because I just need to know there's someone like that who exists in the world. Because I cannot imagine a world where anyone believes that John Theus if there was a Mount Rushmore, Clint, for false starts. He would make now that we first are talking. team, he and there, is, there would be a gap. You would have to leave an open gap between him and the and the next place person to to give yes. him honorary title of how far ahead he is. Um. Yes, he he would make that list one hundred percent. But uh, he and Trip Chandler, the old deal, <laughs> the the tight end, he. Trip Chandler, man, he could false start. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're not even talking about tight ends, but every time I hear the word false start, I got to bring up Trip Chandler. Uh, maybe my least favorite Georgia Bulldog of all time. Uh, but you, listen, John Theus could false start. He would false start from the huddle. He would, you just see him in the huddle I mean, and he'd have the yips already. We're I mean, you there. know in basketball when you make a foul and you throw your hand up like, yeah, 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 that was that was me. Like John Theus yeah. would just come to the, the line before the snap raising his hand. Be like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's... Guys, it's going to be me. It's going to be me this time. Um, always like third and one, third and two. Always. You can count, you can count on John Theus. Just give like you that third Like you can feel the tension rise. You're waiting for the, the the cadence of the quarterback. And then all of a sudden, where's where's John going, guys? Yeah. He's, he's just off to the races a little bit. A little bit. Uh, boy. John Theus. Nope, didn't consider him for my list, Clint. I don't I'm really know. glad. I'm really glad you didn't. Didn't uh, because you shouldn't. I I found that shocking when I found that out. Uh, like you, I had Cordy Glenn, 50 starts, tied for most all time, three different positions. Max was two-time All SEC champ, or I'm sorry, uh, two-time SEC champ and All American. Some good offensive line. It was it was it was tough to make this. Um, it was tough to make this selection. Next week we will be back. With mm-hmm. another round of uh, selections for UJ Mount Rushmore. We'll be on the defensive side of the ball next week, Clint. Hello. Uh, so tune in to find out what we have to say and uh, who we're going to select. I'm going to say, I'm gonna say this right now. I need to say this right now because, Daniel, I, I'm, not gonna take, I'm not going to take any flack for this when I make this selection for defense. Wow. Okay. okay, I need to get this out there right now. If you if you already don't know who I'm picking as my Mount Rushmore of Mount Rushmore for defensive side of the ball as the greatest defensive player ever to play at the University of Georgia, uh, you haven't been listening to this podcast, and I will make I will make listen no apologies, people. Listen, when we get to linebacker, here's something you can take to the bank. You better know one of Clint's selections. And you better know one of my selections. Because, yeah. guys, yes. if we hadn't made that abundantly clear by now, like, I don't know what we can do for you. I don't don't know what we can do for you. Uh, so, we will be over on the defense sub ball. I'm not sure the position yet, but uh, check back with us 
next week, and we will get to that. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know if we missed anybody, if we omitted anyone. Mm-hmm. Let us know if you think uh, Trip Chandler belongs on the tight end, Mount Rushmore, <laughs> or if you think <laughs> that um, that John Theus belongs on the offensive line, Mount Rushmore, because those are basically the same thing. Those are basically the same statement. Uh, before we before we get out of here, Clint. Yeah. Um, uh, anything else we need to cover before we jump into worst fan base? No, let's jump into our next worst fan base and the thing that we hate most about them. So again, we want to chronicle the ways in which all of these, these fan bases are the worst in the SEC. Um, but we want to say specifically why that is. And so this week we have the honor of roasting Texas A&M, Daniel. Texas A&M. Now let's just to recap back, uh, back in episode five or episode six or something we 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 ranked all 13 fan bases in the sec correct as from from least disgusting to most disgusting not if they're disgusting because they're all disgusting just the the degree of disgustingness that's right last and number 13 on the list we we compiled our list took an average and number 13 on our list was mississippi state yeah and um last week we talked about the, the single worst thing about Mississippi State. Now we're moving on to number 12, which is Texas A&M, which we said before the show today, Clint, the fact that Texas A&M is, is, our, is voted on by us to be the 12th grossest fan base in the SEC, that should tell you everything you need to know about the SEC because is there a shortage of material to choose from when thinking about the most disgusting thing about Texas A&M? I had to put a timer on myself to not mm-hmm. elongate this because I could go for days. No, there's no there's no shortage of material. Uh, so what do you have as the single worst thing but, about Texas A&M? I could start with their current head coach, Jimbo Fisher, if you just want to say the worst thing. he's He is from the state of Florida – him and and Dan have cocktail parties together after work. They mm-hmm. are good friends, which is saying a lot. After Dan loses in the cocktail party. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you could talk about the hideous brown color. I, I don't know if that's brown or burnt brown or burnt sienna. I have no idea what that is. It's got a purpley, it's got a purpley hue to it. Yes, it's, it's the weirdest. It's like roasted charcoal eggplant. It's like, what, what's going on here, people? Uh, you can do those two things. But, the, I, gosh, Daniel, the worst thing about Texas A&M... Oh, you could also go Lassie, how they stole Lassie as a mascot. Mm-hmm. Like, what are, you, what are you doing there? Mm-hmm. But the worst mm-hmm. thing by far, Daniel, without a shadow of a doubt, is the 12th man at Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. And it's not even close. Look. I thought that's where you were going to go. Oh, it is, it is undoubtedly the worst thing in the world. Look, I don't care a billion years ago... You didn't have enough athletes to do something, and so you had to pluck a non-athlete out of the stands. That is a good story. That's an embarrassing story. That's an em- no, it's embarrassing. It's an embarrassing, it's an embarrassing story. story. <laughs> that that is what you had to do. Okay, that that you just looked yeah. around and you're like, well, uh, I don't know, coach. You you want to go in? No, I I, I can't do that. Well, uh, got a whole bunch of college kids out here. Okay, go go that's find like, one. That's like telling a story. That's like telling a story bragging. Saying one time I was out on a date and I accidentally took a dump in my pants. 
But here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing about the story is it didn't stain my pants. It didn't even stain my pants. Can you believe how awesome that was? Can you believe how incredibly awesome that was? Isn't that a great story that makes me look so good? It's the worst. That I, that I took a dump in my pants and it didn't even stain it? No, no now, one even. I mean, knew. that's literally that's, the story they're telling. It is. It's. It's like you, your kids ask you, "Hey, hey, Dad, how did you and Mom meet?" Well, I was at a party, son, and I was the last one still sober when all the rest of them passed out drunk, and I passed was, out. I was her ride home. That's right. That, uh, so your claim to fame, Dad, is that you just you just were there. You. That's it. You happened to be present. Yep. That's right. That's it. Shut up with the 12th man, Texas A&M. It's the worst story. It's the most doldrummed, played over and over thing in the world. And the more you talk about it, the more it makes me believe you're trying to convince yourself that you're a good fan base. That That's all you're trying mm-hmm. to do. So stop. Yeah, the 12th man is a solid choice. It's not the one I went with, though, Clint. Okay. I have a different. I have a difference of opinion. I really thought Jimbo was going to get you. No, he, I thought you were going to go Jimbo. Close. I thought I was going to have to talk about the twelfth man because you were going to go Jimbo. Um, it could be Lassie. Well, we we could talk about the. Listen, it. We could talk about so many different quote unquote traditions. Oh gosh. That and, and listen, that's you're from Texas, and so part of me. Just feel sorry for you. You can't help it. You really can't. You're from Texas. You're from Texas. Yeah. So, like, what am I going to expect from you? Decency? No. 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 Literacy? Nah. No. So, uh, but listen, the worst thing, and this is along along the lines of the 12th man, it's the most embarrassing thing for Texas A&M. Clint, it's the hand motions. Oh, my gosh. It's the hand Listen, credit where credit's due, okay? <laughs> credit where credit's due. And I mean this with all sincerity. Okay, listen to me now. <laughs> you show me, you show me six grown-ass men, okay, who can get 80,000 people. To do the Macarena, <laughs> like to do the freaking Macarena at a football game. And I will show you the future leaders of this country. <laughs> That's just, let's just call it what it is. <laughs> like, they got, they got men out here leading other men. They look like they're cranking a lawnmower at one point. They're, <laughs> they're holding up a pistol with their fingers as if... They're playing cops and robbers in the backyard with my three-year-old. Like they're, these are grown folks. What are we doing, Texas A&M? Like why? Why is this the thing that we're doing? It's the, it's, it's inexplicable to watch. And yet they keep doing it over and over and over again. Kudos to those dudes that have the 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 
they they have such a high value of themselves. Yes. They don't need outside affirmation from anyone else. No they're one. they're very comfortable with who they are. Because it takes someone who's very comfortable with who they are to walk out and stand on a stage at a sporting event uh-huh. and lead people in what appears to be hand motions from a children's song. Oh my gosh, Daniel. Uh, That's the worst thing it's, about Texas A&M. It's, it's, in my mind, it's it's just sad. It's, it's sad. sad. It really, really is sad. And the Macarena, don't solely the good name of our childhood dance with Texas A&M. Because my gosh, I'm just I'm just saying it looks a lot more like that than people. I mean, you want to talk about barking? Yeah. Okay, but like, let's be honest. Like we're not we're not singing Skinnamarinky Dinky Dink <laughs> in the stands and calling it a like cheering. It's very odd. It's very odd. It's very what they're doing out it's there. It's very very odd. It's like the people that go to sporting events and when the wave comes by, it's the most exciting piece of action for the mm-hmm. entire day, mm-hmm. and they can't wait for yeah. the wave to come around. That's Texas A&M fans live in perpetual wave excitement all the time. That's right. That's right. Oh, jeez. But the more elaborate the the motions are, the more time it's obviously taking you to learn it. Do you think the worst? Do you think that the the guys were like a plant from University of Texas, like that said, "Hey, I'll make you a bet. I bet you can't get your stupid, dumbass school to do these things for for decades." And they were like, "Oh, I bet." Like some sort I of a bet. long con where like University of Texas fans applied. Yeah. Got accepted, enrolled, um, elevated themselves among popularity uh-huh. of the students uh-huh. to the point that they had enough influence that they could introduce some stuff. That is an absolutely devious and genius. Genius. Did you ever see that like little special thing they did on ESPN about Mike Leach and the... I'm telling you, this is Texas. These kinds of things happen. This is what goes down. In Texas. Yes. I, I, this is the kind of stuff that, like, I, where you drop a fake play sheet on the other team's sidelines pregame so that they they will pick it up and... Correct. Listen, I, I wouldn't put it past them at no. all. I, I'm just saying, what's a better story? Texas A&M fans think that these hand motions get morale up or UT fan infiltrates and cons people for decades. What if I told you that <laughs> that was a that was oh, a good that was a good voiceover? Jeremy Shad uh, would be very very proud of you. Fantastic! All right, well that that wraps it up for the worst thing about Texas A and M. Next week on the show, we will move on to our eleventh grossest fan base of the thirteen in the SEC, and that is Mizzou. Mm-hmm. Clint, we play them in basketball tonight, mm. so. Uh, be on the lookout in case anything piques your interest there. We will talk about the worst thing about Mizzou. I already know what it is. Uh, and I will tell you next week on the podcast. Until then, we will talk to you guys later. See ya.